Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. It's great to have you with us in these days of bright, shiny hope and also days of scandal and political upheaval in the White House. On Capitol Hill, conflict is simmering. Dims are seething as the Republicans who control the 118th Congress ready what will be a broadside of investigations into the Biden presidency and the widespread corruption of the Marxist Dems who've risen to power throughout the Department of Justice and FBI, the intelligence agencies, and much, if not in fact most, of our federal government. And to deal with this vast investigation, Congressman Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he'll be leading the subcommittee that's investigating the weaponization of the federal government against our citizens. And that subcommittee will have as much or more funding as the January 6th committee. And they'll likely need every dime of it. The White House is already trying to discredit the House investigators, who will also be looking into the January 6th committee. And even small requests by Chairman Jordan of the Biden Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas and Attorney General Garland were met with quick and I'm sure not unexpected resistance. Chairman Jordan sending word to the administration's officials that their stonewalling has to end. Congressman Jim Jordan is our guest today, chair of the Judiciary Committee, the so-called Church Committee, investigating weaponization of the FBI, the Department of Justice, and other departments and agencies. Mr. Chairman, congratulations and thanks for taking time to be with us here today. I know you and your folks are working overtime now, staffing, putting your committees, huge committees together. How goes all that? Well, we just got our new members yesterday, got a number of new freshmen and then some uh, some some of our, our uh, members who'd, uh, who'd been in Congress for a term or two also um, wanted to get on, on judiciary. So we got a nice new complement of members. Uh, we think we're uh, ready to get started. So we we got to get the Democrat members assigned, too, before we can have our first meeting and get moving. But um, we really like the team we've got of Republican members. And, of course, I think our staff is the best on Capitol Hill. It's the same team that handled so, much, so many of the investigations in prior Congresses. And it's the team that was defending President Trump when the Democrats did their crazy impeachment. So we got we got just the best staff, too. So we're getting ready to go. But uh, we'll wait and see who the Democrats put on the committee. Terrific. How soon do you believe they'll have those members ready for you? I don't know. I, I heard it may take a while, but I, I mean, I don't know that it's this week and maybe next week. And then again, once we get assigned, you're by the way it works is you have to have that first organizational meeting for the full committee where you adopt the rules. Um, and then once you have that meeting, then you can, then you can name the subcommittees and, and get, get to work. So, um, uh, that's what we want to do. We have a number of ideas we want to have for our, our first hearing. Uh, but I think it, it, first hearing for the full committee, I think, will probably be on on this border situation, which you and I have talked so much about. Um, uh, you know, we, we no longer have a border. So we're going to I think we will we'll, we'll focus on that for our first full committee hearing. At least that's where I think the, the committee wants to go. The members want to go. And then with the with the select committee, 
uh, we got a number of ideas that we think make sense for, for potential hearings. Uh, hearing from the whistleblowers, hearing from people who've been targeted uh, by the government, uh, hearing from some experts, uh, you know, retired people in the FBI who say, you know, how different things are now uh, than what they were before. Potentially, this Nicole Parker, who left the FBI, wrote a, wrote a big piece last week on why she left the FBI. Uh, I think those are some of the folks that we'll, we'll want to want to hear from uh, as we get started. Well, we've all been wanting to hear from these whistleblowers since you first raised the the the, uh, the notice of their existence. I uh, can't wait for that. I, I want to turn to the, the what I assume will be called the the Jordan Committee, uh, the committee, the Select Committee on Subcommittee on Investigating the Weaponization of Government. Uh, how far out are you with that investigation? How how is that progressing? And the membership of the co- subcommittee. Well, we don't know yet. We haven't got assigned even the Republican members to that. That'll be a decision by Speaker McCarthy. Uh, we anticipate receiving the Republican members soon, and then we'll see who who the Democrats name. But but as I said, th- this is this I think really uh, will focus on what these now dozens dozens of whistleblowers have come and talked to Republican staff on the Judiciary Committee about their experience at the FBI, how political that place has become. And maybe the scariest thing, Lou, is we now know that it, it looks like many of them have been retaliated against by the, by the FBI. Once they come forward and tell us, then they're, they're, they're shortly thereafter, they're, they get their security clearance uh, revoked, they get suspended in some situations. Some of, them, some of these whistleblowers just resign instead of face what, what we think is retaliation from the FBI, which is particularly alarming because that's in direct violation of the whistleblower statute. But we, we, we anticipate hearing from them. Uh, we, we think many of them are going to be willing to sit for a, a transcribed interview or a deposition. Uh, and then we think many of them will be willing to come and testify uh, about what, what they've seen there. Remember, what the very first whistleblower came to us, Lou, came to us and told us about the targeting that was going on with, with parents at school board meetings. Mm-hmm. And then we've had others come and talk to us about the apparatus that the Attorney General of the United States set up when he did the memorandum to U.S. attorneys talking about this dedicated line of threat communication, which is, which is what we described as a snitch line, where someone can just tattletale on some parent going to a school board meeting advocating for their son or daughter. They get reported on the snitch line, and then the FBI puts a designation by their name, and over two dozen parents got a visit from the FBI for simply going to advocate for their kid and saying we don't want CRT taught in our schools or whatever they were advocating for. That actually happened from the federal government. So um, we, we plan on hearing from whistleblowers on that issue and a host of others. They've talked to us about how political the Justice Department has become. I want to get to your priorities, how you're going to organize this uh, vast uh, investigation or series of investigations. But you raise the issue of retaliation. We know that the Marxist Dems have already organized a number of uh, committees, uh, whatever you would like to call them, associations of attorneys, lawfare, uh, uh, prominent lawfare uh, personalities, to go after all of you investigating this administration. Uh, what is your thinking on that? Uh, it is a, it is implicitly, if not explicitly, a threat against you, an attempt to intimidate you uh, and the members of the judiciary, all of the investigators, uh, oversight committee. Yeah. Uh, your reaction? Well, yeah, there was a story, uh, I think now over a month ago, where the, I think in Politico, where they talked about that, going after Mr. Comer, Mr. McCarthy, and, and, and others of us um, in in the Republican conference for simply doing our job, doing our duty. 
You know, look, you can't have uh, for uh, America, the greatest country in the world, um, it, it, the best country ever. But it's not America if you have a Justice Department that doesn't equally apply the law. And right now, there's an unequal application of the law. Everyone can see. We've seen it with the, the, the current example, with the way President Trump was treated with classified documents versus the way Clinton and Biden are, 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 are being treated. So there's, there's a difference, and the country sees it. So the first step in stopping it, and part of our constitutional duty as uh, d- doing oversight as members of the, of the legislative branch, is to get the facts on the table for the people to see. That's step one in stopping this behavior from continuing. So we're committed to doing that. We're going to do it in an aggressive fashion, um, in a vigorous way, and we're going to do it in a way that's consistent with the Constitution. We're going to allow, like, for example, any committee we're involved in, the Democrats will be able to be a part of that committee. We're not going to get rid of cross-examination like the January 6th committee did. We're going to, we're going to allow committees to function the way they're supposed to be so you have real debate because we actually respect the law. We respect the Constitution. We respect the First Amendment, and Democrats used to respect those things as well. Unfortunately, now it seems like they don't. Uh, and haven't for some time. When I look at the names of uh, the the prospective members for the 118th Congress on Judiciary, uh, I mean, that is a lineup of uh, Marxist dim bomb throwers, uh, left-wing radicals. Uh, you're going to have quite a, uh, it's going to be quite a, quite a, uh, quite a committee for yeah. you to, to govern. Well, it's always, it's always uh, been pretty heated and pretty, um, Pretty robust debate is probably the best way to describe it in the Judiciary Committee, and, and that's fine. I think that's actually what th- – that's how it's supposed to work in America. It's supposed to be get your best hold, make your best argument, let's debate these things like we're supposed to, um, not cancel people, not get rid of the First Amendment, not some of the other things that we see the left attempting to do. And, and that's how the Judiciary Committee is, is, has, has functioned. And, and remember, this is supposed to be the committee that is is charged with safeguarding the constitution safeguarding the bill of rights protecting your first amendment second amendment liberties that's what we're supposed to do and that's what we're going to be focused on um in this congress well speaking of the first amendment uh are you going to try to put uh your your hearings subcommittee hearings forward on c-span try to make them to make them available to the american people because that week of debate that week of debate in which uh you all sorted out the speakership and what it what the, and the grand bargain that was yeah, riveting yeah. television for the american people the public's right to know was served better than i can remember in a very long time yeah no we 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 uh we we hope that um you know uh, this will get covered uh, we're not doing it for those reasons we're doing it because we care about the constitution the first amendment but uh sure there there will be access for for the people to see what's going on in these uh in these uh, committee hearings uh, where we where we have these whistleblowers come forward, where we have people who've been targeted by the government come forward, where we have experts come forward, where we where we maybe uh, you, you know where we where we talk about what we've now learned via the Twitter files. I think all those things are important uh, for us to uh, to have in a, in a in a public way. The Biden files, if you will, the the highly classified, mm-hmm. the highest classified uh, documents that were discovered, uh, quote unquote. Uh, uh, on his, uh, well, first in his, uh, I hate to call it a think tank because not much thinking seems to go on there, but the Penn Biden offices, uh, your reaction to 
to what is happening right now. White House attorneys discovered them, apparently. Uh, no one yeah. knows why they were there. They were discovered on the 2nd. Nothing yeah. happens until after the election. Uh, this is uh, this is rancid stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think you asked an important question there. Why were they looking in the first place? What prompted them to go look on November 2nd? Uh, I'd like to know the answer to that. I think the country would like to know the answer to that. But then I think that the two things that really jump out at the American people are uh, this lack of transparency and, of course, the double standard that I referenced earlier. But think about it. On November 2nd, they find classified documents at the Biden Center. Mm -hmm. uh, on December 18th, they find classified documents at the, um, at the uh, uh, garage at his, at his residence. They don't tell us about the, any of that stuff. January 9th, the media reports it, oh, that they found – classified information uh, at, at the Biden Center. They report that. The White House comes out and says they confirm, oh, yeah, that's fine. They talk about it, tell us they're being transparent, but they don't tell us about what they found on December 18th, even though they already knew it. Why not? Why not disclose that? And then how about this? There's an, a, a, a DOJ attorney appointed, a U.S. attorney appointed, Mr. Laos is appointed in early November to look at this issue. He concludes, according to Merrick Garland, he concludes his, his uh, investigation on January 5th, and then they, after January 5th, they find additional documents. So what did he do during his investigation, for goodness sake? So I think those are all just like questions on how this thing operated. And, of course, for the Judiciary Committee, that, that would be our focus in this is, is how the DOJ handled this and how it's so different, again, the double standard, from President Trump. But never forget when well, – I remember this, Lou, because I asked Secretary Clinton this question during a Benghazi hearing. I said, Madam Secretary, you got 60-some thousand emails. Uh, some of them are personal uh, and private. Uh, some of them are related to your work. We don't want to see your personal private e emails. That's personal. That's private. This is America. We don't need to see that. We don't want to see that. But we're not exactly confident that you and your attorneys are going to turn over everything you're supposed to turn over to us. Um, so how about this? How about you let a neutral third party, like a retired federal judge, examine all 60,000 emails, and they'll decide. We don't need to look at it. They'll decide. How about that kind of agreement? No, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. In fact, she ended up destroying 30-some thousand um, uh, of, those, of those emails. So that's the treatment she gets to have. That's, the, that's the, 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 the latitude she gets to have versus President Trump, where they said, no, we're not only going to not let you decide. We're not going to turn over the neutral third party. We're going to come raid your home for right. goodness sake. So that's the part that I think bothers so many Americans as well. And I think it's important for everyone to remember in that home at Mar-a-Lago, uh, the president had a skiff, a secure uh, area and facility for uh, highly classified documents. Uh, he had Secret Service uh, agents all around him, uh, unlike the vice president uh, during the time in which they were taken or somehow drifted away from the executive offices in, yep. in Pennsylvania Avenue there. Uh, it's this yeah. is mindlessness. And there's a special prosecutor, a special investigator and counsel uh, for for yeah. both men. Uh, it, this is both, yeah. you, you talk about two different standards of justice. Uh, this is injustice. All this is persecution well, of a president. Yeah, and the big distinction is is what you just said. Of the three, Clinton, Biden, and and and, and President Trump, and and their uh, handling of classified documents, only one of them was president. Only one of them was president when it happened. Remember, Secretary Clinton was Secretary of State. Uh, Joe Biden was Vice President when 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 these documents were at the Biden Center at, at his garage. 
President Trump was president. That, that, that in and of itself is a huge distinction, and yet it seems like he's the one who's getting the real treatment from the DOJ versus uh, what's happening uh, with, with the other two. And Trump's attorney couldn't be president, of course, during that, what I consider to be an illegal search and seizure by those FBI agents in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, the president's government attorneys are walking all the way through it uh, and his personal yeah. counsel. Uh, this is yeah. you have plenty to investigate. I want to ask you something else. The business of the visitors logs. Are you kidding me? The Secret Service, no matter what they're called, doesn't keep track of the people who are in absolute close proximity uh, with the president of the United States just because he's in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, at what point yeah. are we going to bring these people to account at the Secret Service? Well, uh, Chairman Comer has, has talked about that uh, and is looking into that. Uh, I, I, I'm, I would be I mean, I'm. I'm I would think that certainly with the president, the Secret Service knows who's coming in and out. And there's some kind of a record of that. Now, is it different with a former vice president? That I don't know, but I know that that Chairman Comer is looking into uh, in, into that issue. And uh, I, 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 Godspeed, uh, Chairman Comer, because uh, the the nonsense, the blather that's coming out of the White House right now is beyond tolerance. Let me ask you uh, as well, uh, the, the the idea that at some point you're going to get a straight answer from those who come before you in various hearings. Mr. Chairman, I can't tell you the last time I remember the, the Congress and its oversight role getting a straight answer from any representative of this administration, let alone top officials. Yeah, uh, a great example is when, when Secretary Mayorkas is in front of our committee and tells us that the border is secure. You're just like, what? When, when we asked Secretary Mayorkas the question, uh, you, you know, about the, at the time, I think it was 40-some, now I think it's up to 90-some names that have people who, illegal migrants have come in the country who are, whose names are on the terrorist watch list. I remember when I asked him the question several months ago, I said, what's the status of those individuals? And his response was literally mind-boggling. His response was, I don't know. And I'm like, you're the head of Homeland Security and you don't know? So, so yeah, we're used to the, the, the stonewall we get from the administration. We're hopeful that we can get some of this information from other people, um, particularly about the Justice Department. We, 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 we're, we're getting it now as we speak from whistleblowers who've come talk to our staff. We're getting it from people who've been targeted by, uh, by the government. Um, so we're going we're gonna to be able to get some information that away. But you're right. It's always tough to get it from the, from the agencies and from the administration, particularly when they're uh, of the opposite party. Well, I want to conclude, if I may, with uh, one question uh, here, and that is we find out that uh, subsequent to the meeting between Trudeau and uh, Lopez Obrador in Mexico and, of course, President Biden, uh, now the word is that the North American uh, Union has now been resurrected uh, after being uh, killed uh, dead stop uh, during the Bush administration. Uh, your thoughts about why maybe that border has been left wide open to facilitate precisely that, the North American Union. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, let's hope that's yeah, – I, I, what I do know is this. There is no way this cannot be intentional. This has to be deliberate. This has to be a premeditated plan that this administration had to, to go from a secure border that we had under President Trump to no border, which we have now. I mean, we're talking five million people in two years have come across in illegal fashion, and they 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 went down this path right from the get-go. 
when, when President Biden announced, we're not going to continue building the wall, we're going to get rid of Remain in Mexico to evaluate asylum claims, we're going to get rid of that, and then when you come here, you're gonna be, we're, we're going to catch and release, you're going to be released to wherever you want to go in the country. And when that's the message, people come, and again, I always say, you can't fault people for wanting to come to the greatest country ever. When they get here, they know there's no wall to climb over, we don't have to wait in Mexico when they evaluate our asylum claims, we're going to get in, and they're going to let us go wherever we want to. Well, well, for goodness sake, when you do that, I don't know how you stop it. And so it has to be intentional. Um, that's, the, that's the frustrating part. And fi- finally, now you're seeing some Democrat mayors, uh, Democrat mayors on the border have already been on our side. They know how, how bad this situation is. But you're seeing Democrat mayors, like, like, like even the mayor of New York now, saying something's got to give. This is just way too many folks coming, and we can't, we can't handle this, not to mention what the cartels are doing with fentanyl and how that is harming community after community across the country. Now, the, the result of this is that the cartels are just simply uh, running over both sides of the border. Uh, that border is now corrupt, uh, both north and south of the, of the line, uh, and now spread across the entire country. So a great deal uh, to consider, uh, and a, an administration that has proved itself unworthy of uh, the offices that it occupy, whether it be Secretary of Homeland Security, Attorney General, or President of the United States, in my opinion. Congressman Jordan, we thank you so much. Uh, I, we thank we know you, that this this task couldn't be, this challenge couldn't be in better hands than that of uh, Congressman uh, James Jordan. So we appreciate it. Congressman, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Take care, brother. God bless. Congressman Jim Jordan leading what will be critically important investigations by the 118th Congress. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. A reminder to please follow me on Twitter. At Lou Dobbs, that's at Lou Dobbs. And please join us here tomorrow for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you, and may God bless America.